Before we start the program, I want to introduce you to an event that's coming up this August. The Loma Linda Institute of Worship is offering a worship leadership certificate to help leaders and pastors take their congregation's worship experience to the next level. This August 9-12 through 12 event will include presenters Randy Roberts, Adriana Pereira, Nicholas Zork, Wayne Buckner, Richard Hickam, and more, and provide the opportunity to perform on stage with Steve Green and the Heritage Singers. Come sing, pray, write new music, share testimonies and resources, and grow together with like-minded worship leaders from across the world. Go to LLIW.net to register. We find ourselves today on the Tuesday, the final Tuesday of Jesus' time here on earth. It's quite a significant day, one that is not easily grasped, for in that single day, Jesus simultaneously condemns the religious authorities while confirming his deity. You see, the chief priests and elders have taken issue with Jesus' authority. In Jesus' sharing of the parables, we see two sons challenging their father's authority. They're not the only ones with authority issues. If we were to ask ourselves, might we too have issues with authority. But we all have issues. I'm not talking about authority issues in the way that we usually understand them. In our usual understanding of authority, the obvious question in today's gospel is whether or not we recognize and submit to the authority of Jesus and the Father. That question, however, is so obvious that I have to wonder if it is really not the question at the heart of today's gospel. It is so obvious that I think there's got to be something more going on on this final Tuesday. More often than not, we're confused about authority. We misunderstand authority to be based on credential, and expertise, perhaps a lengthy resume, years of education, successes and accomplishments, status and reputation? Or could it be the position that we hold? In this understanding, some have the authority while others do not. So I ask, Who do you think you are? What gives you the right to tell me what to do? Or to use the phrase from Gigi's story, you're not the boss of me. You see, those usually represent our understanding of authority issues. We don't like it when somebody tells us what to do when somebody tries to teach us when we think we already know it all, when somebody tries to correct us. You see, we hear this in the challenge of the chief priest and the elders of Jesus. 
as they ask the question, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? You see, the context of this story is very important. As Jesus rode in on the donkey to Jerusalem, the crowds cheered. They took off their coats. They laid the roads with the branches. And together they shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And as Jesus proceeds to make his way to the temple court, with the whole purpose of the temple court being a place that accepts outcasts, giving them a chance to learn about God, a place that had now become a marketplace where vendors took advantage of weary travelers, a place where there was price gouging, extortion, a place where there was sin. You see, after Jesus had finished cleansing the temple, he turned and he healed the blind and the lame as they came to him. I wonder what it might have looked like to see Jesus extending healing to those who needed it. To see Jesus making people whole. To listen as the children in the background continued with their celebrations and their singing, praising God. For you see, God is honored when people have a chance to learn about him. God is honored when lives are cleansed. God is honored when people come to him to be made whole. God is honored when we, his people, are committed to prayer and to celebrate him with praise. But not everybody joined in the celebration on that day. As a matter of fact, Scripture tells us that the religious leaders then on that Tuesday were indignant. They were irate. They were outraged, and they were offended. They were furious and they were frustrated, all because they refused to humble their hearts and admit that Jesus was the authority. And so instead, they cling to their desire to be in charge and they refuse to go to Jesus. For their fulfillment of hopes and prophecies, their dreams, the coming in the name of the Lord to usher in the new world was happening right in front of them. And according to Matthew, immediately after Jesus went into the temple and overturned the tables, he reclaimed the space back to God. Jesus demonstrates that he has the authority not just over the crowds, not just over the religious leaders, but Jesus claimed authority over nature itself. 
to prove that fact further, we see that Jesus had just cursed the fig tree and caused it to wither. It is no wonder then, in light of all these frenetic exhibition of power, when Jesus entered the temple, that the chief priest, that the scribes and the elders questioned him and said, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? Jesus was clearly a threat to the religious leaders of that day. For he was exhibiting enormous and miraculous powers. The crowds were absolutely enthralled by him. His courage, his boldness. Of course, they would want to question his authority. And the question comes out of their security of who they were. The status they possessed. They were the leaders. After all, the chief priests were in the spiritual lineage that went all the way back to Moses. The scribes were the most learned theologians in Jewish society, and the elders, well, the elders had years of experience and had unquestioning respect of all of the people. But you see, Jesus, Jesus is wise. Jesus is not going to get into an argument, a debate with them. He has no intention of engaging in some abstract, conceptual debate about the nature of his authority. Instead, Jesus decides to ask them a question, to reflect on the true nature of authority itself. So Jesus says to them, I will ask you one question, and if you tell me the answer, I too will answer you, your question. And so Jesus asked, did the baptism of John come from heaven, or was it of human origin? Now you see, this was a tough question. Matthew rightly points out in verse 26 and 27, because no matter what they said, the answer was bound to upset someone. If they agreed that John the Baptist's ministry came from God, then Jesus would say, so why didn't you listen to him and follow him? But if they said that his ministry was not from God, then the crowds would have turned on them because they loved John the Baptist. So you see, this was a lose-lose argument. So much for their spiritual authority. For when the rubber hit the road, they were rendered speechless and defenseless in the face of that very simple question from Jesus. And at that very moment, the religious leaders were unmasked for who they truly were. They claim the authority and power and privilege over the people. But their main concern was to protect their status, their standing, their prestige in society. And of course, in that encounter, 
we as Christians have a lesson from Jesus. For all of us who accept Jesus are leaders in our own right. And so the question is, are we prepared to stand up for what is true in the eyes of God and to live out our ministries by the standards of the gospel? Or will we seek to deny the truth in order to protect our power and position and status in the eyes of society or our congregation? For spiritual leadership demands courage, courage to do what is right, and often so at a personal gain and popularity. But the leaders that Jesus were addressing, they were unable to recognize the authority of Jesus. So they pushed him, they challenged him. They wanted to know under whose authority was Jesus acting under? For you see, Jesus' authority was completely in a different order altogether. The authority of Jesus was worked out in his welcoming of sinners, of the outcast. The authority of Jesus was in welcoming the little children to come to him. And ultimately, the authority of Jesus was worked out in a life of service, of love. That's what Jesus was doing. That is where the authority of Jesus lay on that final Tuesday as Jesus ended his ministry here on earth. So the challenge to us in this passage is the extent to which are we, as God's children, prepared to develop our gifts, our position in this community, to love, to serve, to honor, to respect? Now, how often do you think about all the things that we do in a given day? Think for a moment about all the tasks, routine or not so routine, that we accomplish in one day. I read a while back that we think of 50,000 thoughts and accomplish hundreds of tasks in one single day. Some major, some not. And thinking about it makes me tired. How many of you, when you wake up in the morning, have to think about breathing? Or better yet, how many of you, when you get in the shower and brush your teeth, you have to tell yourself, all right, now I've got to go up and down, brush my tongue, brush the roof of my mouth? Or how about this one? You've left home and you're driving, and you get to your destination, and as you're parking the car, think to yourself, how on earth did I get here? I remember leaving home, but I don't remember driving all this way. Our brains are often on autopilot. 
And on the spiritual plane, deep down inside of us, there is this guiding force that drives us, a guiding force that doesn't need to tell us that we must follow God. When we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we are on a spiritual autopilot. So what drives us? What makes us tick? What about our church? Is it the traditions? Is it the finances? Or the place where we worship? Why do we come here week after week? If we look at our text this morning, what is referred to as the great commandment, the passage takes us to a very close end to Jesus' ministry. In fact, this was Jesus' last teaching here on earth. For Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment? Now you see this was a tricky question. For they had 613 commandments in God's law. 613. It was absolutely impossible, Bernard, for one person to hold all these commandments. And yet you have this attorney that comes and asks Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus in all of his wisdom, he quotes the Shema found in Deuteronomy. For this was something that was recited on a daily basis. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you will love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And then he quotes Leviticus and says, you will love your neighbor as yourself. This, says Jesus, is to be our supreme purpose. To love God and to love our neighbor. This is what Jesus wants us to do. How many of us have really thought about what our purpose is? How many of us have thought about why we come week after week to worship together people of like faith? Jesus puts it plainly, love God and love our neighbor. This is self-evident. The greatest commandment that Jesus wants us to follow. So the real question then is, do I love God the way Jesus commands me? Better yet, what am I going to do about it? For God calls us to love him with all that we have, our hearts, 
our souls, our strength, our minds. You see, friends, this is more than a feeling, an act of willpower or a decision. Jesus is calling us to love God with every fiber of our being, to be the best that we can be. It's an all-consuming love that our fallen natures cannot manufacture to love God and to love our neighbors. So I guess the real question for us today is under whose authority are we acting? And who does God want us to be? And how does God want us to love?